You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Paragold, a church committed to making the real Jesus known to every man, woman, and child. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagold.com. Well, if you got a Bible with you, I just want to look on the screen if you can see it. Psalm 13. And it is really, really great to be back here. And uh, the fruit that this church continues to bear in our lives and our family is just beyond description. It's, it's kind of funny, not funny to Cassie. Sometimes I work part-time for another job and travel a little bit. And she might get a little envious. And I say, well, baby, I'm taking you to Paragold. I mean... <laughs> You know, where else would you want to go? I mean, most women don't get to live that dream. But, uh, but anyway. So, it's, it's great to be here. And it does feel like home. It's weird. When we first moved here, it's like we're leaving home. And then two years later, when we leave here, it's like we were leaving home again. And so, it just feels, feels great to be back here. I'm hoping Jared will open a full-time janitor position up in the future. And maybe I can uh, apply for it. And come back here and work for him again. And so, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to go into Psalm 13, it's going to be kind of maybe a heavy kind of psalm to look at. But as I thought about my time here in Paragould, there were a lot of times where I sat across from a table, whether it's Kenny J's, whether it Batten's, and this was the psalm that seemed to be where I would land as I worked with people or walked with families or individuals through difficult situations. One of them right here on the front row, not to make them weird, but Baby Whalen, right? Baby Whalen was a Psalm 13 situation. Where are you at, God? There's so many more. And so we're going to, instead of me just keep talking here, let's listen to the one whose voice really matters. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. Because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise that if we know the truth, it is the truth that will set us free. And so we ask you this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to be convicted where we need to be convicted, to be challenged where we need to be challenged, to be comforted where we need comfort, to be given courage where we need to have courage. And we plead with you to do the work that only you can do so that you receive the glory only you deserve. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. 
As I said, this psalm has been a psalm that's meant a lot to me in my life and my journey, a lot in my time here. But a little over 10 years ago, it it got really real for me because I received the news that Katie Hammontree had died. Now, to you guys, that's just a name, not a Paragold name. But it was a friend who all throughout college had literally written me hundreds of letters discussing life, sharing what God was doing in our lives, what we were learning through his words. It was a friend who I was embarrassed to admit that I could never beat at Tetris, which is the greatest video game of all time, and whom I could utterly embarrass with corny jokes. It was a friend who had got pregnant at the same time our family first had got pregnant with Kaylee, had a beautiful daughter named Meriwether, was also a friend who got pregnant at the same time with a little boy that we were pregnant with our first little boy, Elisha. And then it was the friend who shockingly had got leukemia, cancer, 26 years old. While she was pregnant with that baby boy. And then who was healed for a season. The cancer struck back with a vengeance. And her story ended with her screaming for mercy in her mother's arms. Dying with her son inside her. Leaving her little girl the same age as ours. To grow up without a mom. So the question for all of us Christians here this morning. Is where is God? Where is God when that happens? I I would wager that all of us in this room to some degree. Have had something like that happen. In our lives where we just look to the heavens and say, where are you? What are you doing? And we could compare, but all of us have asked that question. We've all felt abandoned by God. If you're part of Fellowship Paragold, you just need to be encouraged. You're in a safe place to talk about that. And Psalm 13 is showing us that it's not that Fellowship Paragold so much is the safe place. It's that our Father in Heaven is the safe place. That He is inviting us into this psalm to not numb our feelings. To not just, you know, ignore the pain away. But to lead us into a deeper experience of who He is and what He has done through what we call the gospel. The good news that dares to give us a hope that we can trust in God's faithfulness even when all we feel is His farness. How do we do that? How can we dare to do that? How can we with a straight face look at ourselves in the mirror and say we can trust in God's faithfulness when it just feels like He's nowhere to be found? The first thing we see in God's Word is it's because He invites us to give honest voice to our pain. Notice verse 1. Really before verse 1, if you have this in your Bibles. To the choir master, a psalm of David. Notice the the context here of this prayer is David. You might think, well, what does David know? Isn't David the guy that whips giants and slays ten thousands, you know, and just lives a, a cush life as a king? Many of us in here know that that's not all of the story of David. David was a person who faced a lot of betrayal in his life. David working hard under King Saul, again, slaying Goliath. He doesn't get a party thrown for him for that. He actually gets ran out of town 
He's not viewed as a friend, but for all of his faithfulness, he's actually viewed as a threat. And if that's not bad enough, later in his life, it's not just this mentor that he looked to that betrayed him, deserted him, and wanted him dead. His own son does. His own son, Absalom, takes his own stepmothers, as it were, makes them his own, usurps the throne, and runs dad out of town. David knew something about pain, betrayal, and maybe what's worse is David had his own share of betrayal that he participated in. We know that he very carefully plotted an adulterous relationship and then very carefully plotted to have that relationship hidden through having someone murdered. So one of everyone in here probably falls in one of those two camps this morning is some of you are just feeling pain because of the brokenness of the world that you live in. The pain of betrayal. Maybe there's somebody even in this room right now sitting in another place and you feel betrayed by them. Somebody in this city, somebody in your biological family, someone in your story. You've been the target of gossip. You've been given the cold shoulder. It's very personal. It's very relational. It's very painful. And you're looking at God and you're saying, God, why? How long am I going to have to deal with this? Others of you, it's your own betrayal. You're the one who's betrayed others. You're the one who's sinned against others. You're the one right now caught in a pattern of habitual sin that you maybe really want to break. And you've pled with God, give me victory, give me deliverance over this for years. And yet the battle rages. And so David cries out, how long? Notice again verse 1, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You ever felt like God's forgotten you? Have you ever felt like God's playing hide and seek? David did. Verse 3, how long? How long will this just stay on my mind? Verse 2, that is. Counsel in my soul. How long will the sorrow be inextinguishable? How long will it just feel like I'm done? Just stick a fork in me. And this was the cry that Israel would have also taken in exile. This was, this was the people of Israel's hymn book, the Psalms. And they were cast out of their land, just waiting for God to do something. Not for a year, not for a decade, for hundreds of years. And so they took this psalm, how long? How long till our king arrives? Over the past couple of years, we've had the privilege of getting to, to share our lives together with some people who've been through some very difficult situations. You guys got to meet Danny last year, and there was another guy who actually lived with us for a season. His name was, was Zach. And he, one night at Michigan Community Family Meal, he was sharing his story. And a big part of his story that affected his view of God is because when he grew up in a home that was kind of Christian, you might say, highly legalistic setting. And when he got into his teenage years, he began to question his faith. 
He began to, to want to explore other religions. He began to want to have sort of the big questions about the world, God, and humanity answered. And so he, on his own, kind of went around through the back channels of how to do that, buying some books, having some conversations, only to come home one day and to find, this no exaggeration, his pastor and his parents had taken all of these books on philosophy and religion that he had had and were burning them in the backyard. The message was clear. We don't have those type of conversations. We don't ask those kind of questions. We don't talk out loud about those types of doubts. And that's how Zach began to think about who God was as well. There may be some of you this morning that that's what you think. Maybe you've never even heard a psalm like this before and you're thinking, can that really be in the Bible? Can I really look to God and say, I feel like you've forgotten me. Hello? I feel like I'm in this waiting room, like at the doctor's office, where I'm just stuck here. And you're back there, no offense to doctors, I don't mean this, you're back there making a lot of money, and I just wish you'd come out here and tell me what's wrong with me or my loved one. But all I'm getting is nothing. And the first thing we see here that's calling us to trust God's faithfulness is God said, I want that to be in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? I want them to have a pattern for prayer like that. I want them to know it's okay for them to wrestle with life in a fallen world in a relationship with God who is in control and yet is very mysterious in how everything plays out in our lives, sometimes to the point of almost breaking us. So he invites us to give voice to our pain and he does that just obviously here by calling us to do that in bold prayer. So where is God? This is verses 3 and 4. We see he's wanting us to pursue him relationally and not just what we might call doctrinally. That is, he doesn't want you to just know about him. He actually wants you to have a relationship with him. And many of us in here, even in a church like Fellowship Paragold, we can talk a big game about wanting authentic community, wanting to be vulnerable, blah, 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 all the catchphrases. But when it actually comes time to do it, it's another story. Because it's hard. It's really hard. And again, God here is not to condemn us for the fact that's so hard for us, but He's here to graciously invite us to actually be able to do that with him first so that we then can do that with others. Because what we cannot do in ourselves before our Father, first off, we'll never be able to do with other people. Many of us in here think we're angry at other people, but if we were honest, we're angry at God. We, it's not so much... We do think other people betrayed us and hurt us or let us down, but we don't yet... We haven't yet got to the point where we realize, you know, God, you're really the one that's messed this thing up. And so he gives us this very model of honest prayer. Calling us to relate with God even when we feel numb. You know, we talk a lot about feelings, but if you're like me, sometimes the feeling is no feeling. 
Maybe that just means I'm emotionally immature. That's the best I know how to describe it. How do you feel? I don't know how I feel. I don't feel nothing right now. You ask me again, I might punch a hole in the wall. So I guess I feel rage, right? I feel rage right now. And I do. But so often in these hard times, we distance ourselves. When God feels distant, we go distant. We detach from Him. We detach from His people. And maybe it reveals that we're only pursuing God to the extent that He meets the emotional demands that we have placed upon Him. We lose faith in God's power when we lose the feeling of His presence. And I don't know what, we've been just sold a lie through so much of American Christianity that you're just always going to feel good and like God's giving you a big hug when you're a Christian. If that's your experience, I'm happy for you. First off, if that's heaven, right? We praise God for that when it does break into earth. But it wasn't the case for David in this season of his life. You know, I don't want to be around my wife when she's in a bad mood. You know why? Because I think, I really deep down think the purpose of her in the universe is to make me feel good. Right? So, if you're not going to make me feel good, I'm going to go do something else. And I mean, we're like that with God if we're honest. If you're not going to make me feel good, missional community, right? And I won't go. I'm not going to be a part of it. If you're not going to make me feel good in church, I'm not going to be a part of church. If you're not going to make me feel good in my marriage, I'll just find a new marriage, right? And if you're not going to make me feel good, I'll find another God. That God may be legalistic Southern Christianity that just sits in a pew on Sundays. I can make it work. We're all playing that game sometimes. But David says, Consider me and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Do we feel this honesty? David's not just having a bad day. David's saying, I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die if something doesn't change. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. David here is saying, I just feel like an utter failure and humiliation. And it's getting to the point where I'm just a laughing stock. He's honest with God. And while a psalm like this may feel blasphemous to some of it, it's actually a sign of faith. You know when a relationship is going wrong? It's when you quit talking. Having a fight with somebody is not necessarily a bad thing. It's when you, when you just become the stonewalled, checked out person. You're not even worth talking to anymore. Happens in marriages, happens in relationships, and it happens with God. I just don't want to talk anymore. But this is a prayer that says, like Psalm 73 says, There's nowhere else to go. Whom have I but you? It's like when Jesus in John chapter 6 kind of just throws out these hard truths of the gospel to the crowd, and they all leave, and the twelve are standing there, and he looks at them and says, So are you going to leave too? And they look at him and say, where else can we go? (laughs) 
we're kind of confused right now too. We really don't know what's going on. Did you just call us all to be cannibals when you said eat your flesh and drink your blood? But hey, you're the Lord. You alone have the words of eternal life. Josiah, I don't know if he's in here, my youngest son. I asked him permission to share this because you know pastors like to milk illustrations out of their kids. Y'all don't know, y'all should know that by now. But anyway, uh, I saw her saw something funny, and their wives. Yeah, I don't ask her. Yeah, I do ask her permission. I saw totally wasted time here, but I saw a funny thing the other day online where it says pastor decides to have fifth kid because he's running out of sermon illustrations. But anyway. <laughs> is our youngest son, Josiah, has got, got into this phase about a year ago where if he does something wrong or he's mad at dad or mom, is that he goes and like hides like in a cubby in the cabinet. Eddie Munster, if anybody knows the Munsters. Uh, or, he, or he goes and like gets under the bed. And, you know, as a dad... I want him to talk to me. But he's kind of like, I don't want to, I'm not going to talk until you resolve the problem. Like, once I know that the problem's taken care of, whether it was a fight with my brother or whether I broke something or smarted off to mom, once it's calmed down, then we'll have a relationship again. But my heart is, son, you don't have to go hide under the bed. You can come talk to me. We may not even agree, but I, I want to hear your heart. And I think Josiah's in the kids thing, and he may hear this someday. I talked to him about it this morning. I want him to know, you know, that's how your dad is too. I just want to, I just go hide in other ways. I get angry with God. I don't want to pray. I don't want nobody to tell me the gospel. I just want to numb out and detach from God and be mad in my spirit. And you know what, what, what pastors do and what we can all do? Is I don't just hide in a cubby or under the bed. I can hide in ministry. I can hide in religious activity. That's more embarrassing than the cubby. But the amazing grace of God is that even as we are hiding, we hear His voice calling out, Where are you? We hear Him saying, I'm here not to condemn you. I'm not here just to fix you. I'm here to be with you. But can we trust Him? So He invites us to give voice to our pain, to give voice through this honest prayer. But the good news is, is He doesn't leave us there. He wants us to give voice to His promise. He wants us to speak the good news of what He has done for us and in us to ourselves. So where is God? He is holding fast to His covenant, faithful character and accomplishment. This is what we see in verse 5. David, nothing's changed. right? No circumstantial change here. David's not got what he wanted. He's not all of a sudden comfortable. He's not on the other side of the bad season. He's still in it. And he says this, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. There's probably other translations of that out there this morning. 
maybe loving kindness. Maybe if you have a, a different version of the Bible. Maybe trusted even in your faithfulness. It's because, and not to nerd out on you here, it's because there's a Hebrew word behind steadfast love that we can't really translate really well into English with just one word. Do you have a Jesus Storybook Bible? Some of you have that? I couldn't copy and paste this on my notes, so hold on here a second. God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. If you didn't know it, that's one word in Hebrew. (laughs) Hesed, if you wanted to know that. NIV, unfailing love. ESV, steadfast love. New American Standard, loving kindness. It's because it's such a big word that is pointing us to the covenant faithfulness of God that doesn't change no matter how you feel. And praise God, His faithfulness isn't based on my feelings. Because that would be bad news. And all of Israel's hopes were in a covenant faithful love. Well, maybe that still doesn't do it for you, right? Read Jesus' story, but Bible, still want to punch a hole through the wall. So maybe that's just still glib church talk. Is all you're going to do this morning, tell me a Hebrew word has a big meaning. Well, there's more. Because this is not just a word that's defined in a particular verse of Scripture. This is a word that is described through the whole story of God, through the whole history of salvation. It's a word used again and again throughout God's Word, Old Testament, New Testament. It's the same word that's used of God when He kept covenant with Abraham and Sarah by giving them a child when they are around 100 years old after they had to wait decades before they saw the answer to the promise. It's the same word used of God when he kept covenant by providing a ram to be sacrificed in the place of Isaac when God gave Abraham this crazy mission that made no sense to take his son up and be sacrificed and yet God was faithful to provide a substitute. It's the same covenant faithfulness that he showed Joseph who betrayed and sold into slavery by his family used and abused through those who were over him. And yet, after many years, God used him to be a blessing to all the nations. It's the same covenant love he showed Moses, who was a murderer and reluctant leader and spent 40 years in a desert mulling on what a failure he was. And we don't have time for me to read the ten other examples. But it's that same covenant faithful love that is yours today. And if that's not enough, the greatest picture of God's covenant faithful love is better than even what David got to see. You see, the Son of God, Jesus, comes to earth and one of the titles that he bears is the Son of David. The greater David. The one who receives a greater covenant promise. A greater covenant fulfillment. The one who was the covenant keeping man. The one whom we know as our covenant Lord. And nowhere do we see more clearly that God is with us in our pain. 
with us in our sin, with us in our suffering, than we see in Jesus. Because we may want to fake it, we may want to numb it, and we may want to hide it, but Jesus is hanging on the cross crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Unless we think we're more spiritual than Jesus, then we too will have our days where we cry out those same words. And the choice is, will we cry them out as an accusation against God, or will we cry them out in faith to a God who hears, to a God who is with us, to a God who loves us, to a God who gave His Son to be forsaken so that we would never be forsaken? This is Jesus' how long, O Lord, on the cross for us so that we know how long is not forever. I may pronounce this name wrong. Ellie Weisel or Weasel, Cassie, the Jewish writer. You're supposed to know. (laughs) English English teacher. She, She knows. Nobel Prize winner. Jewish survivor of the Holocaust, tells of a time when he was in a concentration camp and was compelled, along with a few others, to witness the hanging of two Jewish men, but also a Jewish boy. He says the two men died quite instantly, but the dying of the young boy, for some reason, didn't happen fast, and he struggled for a half an hour on the gallows. He said he heard somebody behind him mutter, Where is God? Where is he? And the voice was screamed out in anguish, Where is he? And he said he felt this question begin to just spring up within him as well. Where is God? Where is he? And then he heard a voice softly within him saying, There he is, hanging in the gallows. And like David, this Jewish man spoke better than even he knew. Where is God in your pain, in the death, the disease, the depression, the despair, your sin and your suffering? There he is on the cross. He may feel far, but he could not be more invested in the restoration of all that is broken in this world. He didn't have to come into this world and bear it. He chose to. This is not some spiritual fairy tale. This is the historical, eternal reality. Of God become flesh. Forsaken in our place. And the good news is. That same Jesus. That we've sang about this morning. Is not dead. That he is risen. This is why we can say with David. That my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. That no matter how big the pain. No matter how big the sin. Our God is greater. Our God is bigger. Our God wins. And we are His. Even now, as we feel nothing, 
The verdict is in. Jesus is Lord. And so we can sing with David. I will sing to the Lord. We maybe not sing with the deepest feelings at times, but we can sing with a bold faith. Because we have a much greater father than maybe a father that's told you to just be quiet. We have a father who can handle all your emotions and lack of emotions, who loves you and who's not going anywhere. And even as you distance yourself from him, if you're his child by his spirit, he's not distancing himself from you. So let us trust God's faithfulness, even when all we feel is his farness. Father, thank you for the good news that we have through your son, that we have a settled, secured relationship with you because of who he is and what he did in spite of what we do and all we feel. And yet we thank you for the gift of faith that you give us so that we some days just on our knees scratching and clawing to go an inch. You're at work in us through that. You're holding us. You're with us. And God, I just pray for anyone who's here this morning who maybe hasn't found you as that father that today they would come to you through Jesus they would know you and I pray for anyone in here who is your child who is really struggling right now to relate with you because of the pain because of their sin that they would see that you are drawing near to them now and calling them to come to you and we thank you for that in Jesus name Amen